say in maybe different words, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I've sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what I've done, by what I've left undone. We are sinners who've fallen short of the glory of God. And that's why that blessing of forgiveness is so important. Forgiveness is the greatest blessing that our Lord has shared with us. Because forgiveness changes everything. And that's the theme for this sermon. Forgiveness changes everything. Forgiveness changes the way that God looks at us. Forgiveness the way, changes the way that we look at ourselves. Forgiveness changes the way that we live out our lives as well and changes the way that we look at others. Listen again to what the Pharisee has to say. The Pharisee, if you listen to his words, he's not a bad person. He's pretty good. He supports the church generously. He's a tither. He gives 10% of his income to the church. He's not a robber. He's not an adulterer. He's not an evildoer. He'll tell you that. He's a fine, upstanding citizen. He's a, he's a churchgoer. He gives thanks to God for who he is and what he's been able to do in his life. He's somebody that you would like to have as your neighbor. Ask a pastor, and he's probably somebody who would like to have in the membership roles as well because he does good things. He says good things. He's generous in his support of the church. He sits in the front row which most Lutherans never find. I know I sit in the back row. I can see better back there. I can survey the whole territory. The problem is not with what the Pharisee does. The problem is with his words. The problem is that he has a wrong perspective on life. We're not able to look into his heart, but Jesus can. We examine Pharisee's words and we say, he's not bad. Jesus looks at his words and says, well, maybe not so good. Because he sees pride and arrogance. The attitude of the Pharisee is what seals his doom. Again, the words, the Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself. The perspective is about himself. God, I thank you I'm not like other men, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. He's off in a corner somewhere beating his chest, not able to even look up to heaven. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of all I get. Notice the word, the favorite word of the Pharisee. I, I, I. He's not seeking forgiveness as he comes to his God. He's not talking about the, the promise that God makes to sinners to love them and forgive them. He doesn't recognize that he is a sinner who's fallen short of the glory of God. Standing in the temple courts is where he finds himself on this day. It's where God's people came. It's where God's people come to offer him prayers and sacrifices. But it's really not why the Pharisee is there. We have heard his words. There's no mention of any kind of sin on his lips. No plea for forgiveness. He came to the temple to brag about himself. To lay his works before God. Praying about himself. The Pharisee is literally storming the gates of heaven with his own laundry list of the good things he has done. Martin Luther has this to say about the, about the Pharisee and his prayer. He says, such was the prayer of the hypocrite, the Pharisee, of whom we read in Luke chapter 18, 11. God, I thank you I'm not like other men. As though he were to say, I do not need thy grace and mercy, O Lord. I have earned this well for myself. 
He disdains to receive anything from God, but he wants to give God something and oblige him, God, to pay for it. God should be happy to acquire such a holy man as his friend. Needless to say, the Pharisee did not leave forgiven. The truth be told, as we look at the Pharisee, there's probably a little bit of him in each and every one of us. It's the nature of sin. It's easy for a believer, for a Christian to fall into that trap, especially because we're not as bad as the people around us. At least we don't look that bad. We haven't robbed a bank. We come to church. We live good lives. Hopefully none of us have committed adultery. We've been faithful to our husband, faithful to our wife. Easy for us to stand up before God and say, I thank my God that I'm not like people who don't come to church. Easy because we're sinners. Easy because we like to pat ourselves on the back from time to time. Easy because too often we define sin much in the same way the Pharisee does. I've never robbed a bank. I've never beat my children. I've never done the terrible sins that we see going on in the world around us. But the truth of the matter is, we are sinners. Sinner, sin is not just about murder or adultery or evil living. Pride, self-centeredness, and self-importance are also sinful as we can see as we look at the Pharisee. There's no room in the Pharisee's life for sin of any kind of his own. He doesn't confess anything that he's done is wrong. No room for forgiveness either. How can you go before the mighty throne of God and not ask forgiveness? It's part of what sinful human nature is about. Sin turns our thoughts, words, actions in upon ourselves. Another word for that is self-centeredness or pride. The Pharisee was proud of himself. Proud that he was never did anything that he considered sinful. Another quote from Martin Luther. He has some good comments on this section. In a sermon that he wrote, he says, The Pharisee completes his wickedness not only by praising himself, but also by deriding and accusing the one who is praying and accusing himself, the publican. If you notice, the Pharisee has no use for the publican. There's a horrible, Luther says, monstrosity which ought alone to humble all who are proud for of course every proud person tears down and accuses his neighbor when he sits in judgment then just look at the evil he involves himself in first he fails to perform a work of mercy it's all about what the pharisee does for he ought all to have compassion on his neighbor pray for him and help him in every possible way therefore he is worthy of eternal Martin Luther's words about the Pharisee. The publican, or the tax collector, on the other hand, we are cut out of that cloth because we know our sinfulness. We're sinners. The prophet Isaiah says in the 64th chapter of his book, all of us have become like all who are, one who is unclean. All our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf and the wind sweeps our sins away. And like the wind, our sins sweep us away. We've been there. We know how sin haunts and terrifies. We know how death and conscience can be after us. What matters as we stand in God's presence is not what we have done, but it's rather what our Lord has done for us, especially in that baby who was born in Bethlehem, who was later crucified on a cross, laid in a grave, and then raised to life again. Our Lord Jesus takes us to the heart of the matter with a, serious, with a question 
Matthew chapter 16. What good will it be if a man gains the whole world yet forfeits his own soul? What can a man give in exchange for his soul? The psalmist says, no payment is ever enough that man should live on forever and not see death. But our Lord has made that payment for us. It is the payment of our Lord Jesus. St. Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God unto salvation. Jesus was offered up as a sacrifice for our sin because we couldn't pay for those sins. We couldn't spend an eternity in hell for just one of the sins that we commit. And yet when Jesus was on the cross, he paid for the sin of all mankind. And that's why St. Paul says, Therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that that Christ's power may rest on me. Our Lord does not treat us as our sins deserve, King David says, or repay us according to our weaknesses. Rather, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Notice who's doing all of that. It's our Lord Jesus. It's God working in his Son to bring us forgiveness. Forgiveness. There's no greater gift on the face of the earth than to know that we are forgiven. Forgiven of all of our sins, of thought, word, and deed. Forgiven of all of our sins by the things that we've done and the things that we fail to do. Forgiven of all of our sins, including those that haunt us in the still of the night. There's an old German proverb that says, darkness is no one's friend. You probably know the truth of those words. Darkness. During the darkness, our conscience gets after us, telling us how we failed, how we've fallen short. We can emphasize, emphasize, empathize with the publican in the temple. We know how precious God's forgiveness is. We know how terrible sin can torment us from time to time. God's forgiveness is purchased not by us, but by Jesus on the cross. And that's why I chose the theme for this section forgiveness changes everything. It changes the way we look at ourselves and it changes the way that we live our lives because our lives are changed by forgiveness. Consider the publican. His behavior is much, much different than the Pharisee. His words are focused in a different direction than the Pharisee. The Pharisee stands tall where everybody can hear him and see him bragging all about what he does, but the publican is in a corner. He can't lift his eyes, tormented by a a troubled conscience. He just beats his chest. He can't raise his eyes. The publican just can say the simple words, God be merciful to me, a sinner. The same words that you said in our confession this day. Martin Luther says the truly humble person despairs of being self-sufficient, the publican. He fervently longs that there be a God and prays for what he lacks. Indeed, he gives glory to God. And so, he is justified. The publican turns to the only one that can help him. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. The tax collector with a guilty, tormented conscience. You know what that's like because we've all been there. I've been there. You've been there. The tax collector understands the words, the wages of sin is death, and so do we. He's living death, and he's still alive. His conscience won't stop tormenting him. His conscience affects him during the day, 
can't lift his eyes up, and at night, oh my goodness, it's loud. It keeps him awake. There's no relief from the terror of his sin until he stands and makes the plea, God be merciful to me, a sinner. It's easy for us to identify with this tax collector Republican. We all know what he's going through. Each of us has been endured the torment of sin. We know the burden and the cries of a guilty conscience. We know what David talks about. David, the adulterer. David, the murderer. In Psalm 32, he says, When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all, all the day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. For those who struggle like that, there is good news. Good news for the tax collector. Good news for King David. Good news from the lips of Jesus, who says in these verses, I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. That word justified is a wonderful word in Holy Scripture. Because as we stand before the judgment seat of God, we are guilty. We deserve damnation, hell, punishment. And yet instead of that, God declares us innocent because of what Jesus has done for us. Justified means that our Lord has declared you innocent. The blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses you from all sin. Regardless of what those sins might be, the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses you from all sin. That means, like the publican, you are forgiven. Forgiven because of the suffering of our Lord Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Remember, his sweat was like great drops of blood. Forgiven because he wore the crown of our thorns because we wanted to be the lords and masters of our lives. Forgiven because we wanted to run our own way and his feet were nailed to the cross. Forgiven because he shed his blood at the Roman whip. Consider how that good news of forgiveness affects people. David, after receiving forgiveness from Nathan the prophet, writes the words of Psalm 103. It's a beautiful psalm. If you haven't read it for a while, please spend time with it. King David says, Bless the Lord, O my soul. All that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. He forgives all your iniquity. He heals all your diseases. He redeems your life from the pit. He crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. He satisfies you with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. David knew the truth of those words because Nathan had told him, the Lord has also put away your sin. You receive forgiveness here every Sunday. You are washed. You are sanctified. You are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. You receive forgiveness from the pastor every Sunday. In holy baptism, there is forgiveness. In the body and blood of our Lord Jesus, given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sin. Precious sacraments, a precious word that assures us of forgiveness no matter how terrible our sins might be. The pastor's words are important. In the stead and by the command of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. As a called and ordained servant, I forgive all your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. In the catechism, we hear that when the pastor says those words, we can be as sure and certain as if Christ, our dear Lord, dealt with us himself. You are forgiven. 
forgiven of all your sins, forgiven because of the suffering and dying of Jesus on the cross, <coughs> excuse me, because, forgiven because he rose from the dead. Forgiveness is the greatest blessing that you and I can have from God because forgiveness changes everything. Forgiveness changes our standing before God. He does not deal with us as our sins deserve, King David says, or repay us according to our iniquity. Forgiveness means that we're different. We look at ourselves differently. We look at those around us differently. Forgiveness is not just about washing away sins. Forgiveness makes a difference in the way that we live life. The Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but rather for him who died for them and was raised again. He tells the Galatians, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself in love. Martin Luther was great at talking about the only reason why God doesn't take us to himself in heaven. He leaves us here so that we can serve our neighbors good. To live out forgiveness in relationship to those around us. Not for the sake of God, not for during brownie points with God, but to help our neighbors see what a precious gift forgiveness is. A couple of passages from Holy Scripture. St. Paul writes to Titus, Jesus Christ gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify him for himself a people who are his very own, eager to do what is good. And you are that people. To Titus, he says a bit later, our people must learn to devote themselves to doing what is good in order that they may provide for daily necessities and not live unproductive lives. You do that here at Beautiful Savior. And I commend you for that. The good news of this parable is good news for you because you are the publican in the temple. Jesus suffered and died for you to give you forgiveness, to give you that precious gift that removes sin and its curse, to give you that precious gift for forgive, of forgiveness that changes your standing before God. He now welcomes you as his very own husbands and wives, children and adults into his heavenly kingdom. He gives you the promise of eternal life. King David says, blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. You are the forgiven people of God here in this place. Forgiveness is the most precious gift that we have from our God. We can go to sleep at night knowing our sins are forgiven. When our conscience torments us, St. John says, God is greater than our hearts because we have the promise in holy baptism that forgiveness is ours. Forgiveness is your precious gift from the Heavenly Father. It enables you to be his children so that you can live out that forgiveness in your relationship with each other. Husbands and wives forgiving each other. Children and parents forgiving each other. Neighbors forgiving each other. You are the people of God in this place. Forgiveness is what this place is about. Forgiveness changes everything. It enables us to see the evil world around us as an opportunity to share the gospel. To let people know their sins are forgiven. May our gracious Lord bless you. As you fulfill your vocation, your calling as the people of God in this place. We have a beautiful Savior who 
who's done wonderful things for us and given us a beautifully forgiven life so that we can be his people. And I commend you as you do that to his glory. Amen. And then the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. May that guard, keep, and protect your hearts and minds through faith in our Lord Jesus. Rise and join us then. We confess our faith this morning in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life of